0: Good morning. It's uh, wonderful to be with you this morning. And yes, uh, we're about to retire. And so this may be the last time we come in this way to share about our work uh, in the Philippines or wherever God has sent us. And uh, I just want to remind you that uh, I'm quite sure that Faith CRC started supporting me when I was still single way back in 1986 when I was being sent to the Philippines. So that's, what, 37 years ago. How many of you were here 37 years ago? <laughs> okay, quite a few. Uh, I won't ask how many of you remember me from way back then. But, <laughs> but anyway, we're really glad to be here, and we want to uh, heartily uh, thank you so much for partnering with us. In God's mission over these years, it's really been wonderful. As as you heard Bessie say, you know, we do it together. You're the home-based missionaries; we're the field-based missionaries. We're really partners in God's mission, and so we really want to take this day to thank you and to participate in your worship today. We have a couple of things to leave with the congregation. I'll ask Pastor Matt to come and receive these. There's a, a poster. Uh, just a thank you poster. Hope you'll find a good place to put that for a while to just uh, uh, receive our thanks for your partnership all these years. And then a book, Joining Jesus. It's really about, especially about reaching out locally with the gospel. So we hope that this will inspire and challenge you in terms of reaching out right here around your church. So uh, thank you thanks, so man. much. Appreciate and it. uh, it's been great to, uh, to be part of your church in this way. Uh, And I want to remind you, too, to be sure uh, after the service, you know, there'll be some fellowship time. There's a table out there, a display. Be sure to get some of the items. There's some cards to pick up and a few other things. Uh, So be sure to take a look and get some of those things. So uh, we're going to turn to God's Word now, and um, we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 1. You might notice the title, Pentecost, Priscilla, and Aquila. You're wondering, what's... (laughs) What's the connection there? Uh, We are in the season of Pentecost. It was uh, Pentecost Sunday just a few weeks ago. And usually on Pentecost, we look at Acts 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit there. Uh, But there is a connection with Priscilla and Aquila. But we're going to go back to uh, Acts chapter 1 to see uh, how Jesus prepared his disciples uh, to know what to expect uh, when Pentecost came. Let's ask God's blessing in prayer lord god we thank you so much for giving us your word and we pray that you will work powerfully in us by your word and by your spirit to hear your word this morning and that you will uh, work in us, in us in such a way that we will be transformed in our hearts our minds and our lives O oh lord god by the gospel and be faithful as your servants your mission agents in this world we pray in jesus name amen so let's read from Acts chapter one, verses four to nine, and uh, this is what happened before the day of Pentecost, uh, when Jesus was still with his disciples. Uh, Acts one, starting at verse verse eight, uh, verse verse four. On one occasion, while he, that is Jesus, was eating with them, eating with his disciples, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And it was 10 days later that uh, the Holy Spirit was really poured out on them on the day of Pentecost. So notice that verse 8, Jesus says that they will be his witnesses, Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that really sets the stage for the whole book of Acts. And that's what we see happening, the disciples going out uh, by stages in a sense all the way to what they considered the ends of the earth at that time. Uh, And barriers were being broken down. Uh, We see that over and over again in the book of Acts. Barriers between people and even those, you know, uh, the the Jewish people kind of considered the Samaritans uh, uh, half-breeds and not really part of of God's family, but that was broken down and then the barriers to the Gentiles were broken down and, and the gospel kept flowing out and out to more and more people. Uh, But just looking at Acts, uh, a little bit of Acts 2, we think of Acts 2 and all the things that were going on there and, you know, the pouring out of the Spirit. But notice especially um, verses 16 to 18 uh, in Acts chapter 2 uh, where Peter is responding to the people. They thought that they were drunk, and he says, no, this is what was spoken by uh, by the prophet Joel. Let's go to the next slide uh in the, in the last days so he's quoting from the old testament prophet of Joel in the last days God says I will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions your old men will dream dreams even on my servants both men and women I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy so what Joel was prophesying uh, way back in the old testament was that you know, it would not only be these special people, like prophets and priests and kings, that would have the Spirit upon them, but all of God's people would have the Spirit, and that we see being fulfilled in Acts two and throughout the book of Acts, as as people were empowered by the Holy Spirit, all kinds of people, to bring uh, the word of God. And you know, think about Acts two and and Peter, uh, the the sermon that he preached. Uh, Uh, He had never preached like that before, and he was taken hold of by the Spirit of God to powerfully bring uh, the Word of God. And that brings us to uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, They were not what we would call like ordained ministers. They were not pastors or missionaries. They were kind of ordinary lay people, but they were really used powerfully by the Lord, and so we're going to look at them this morning. Let's get a bit of geographical orientation because several locations are mentioned in the passage that we're going to read. Up in the um, uh, northeast corner of this map, you see Pontus. That's where Aquila came from. But then he and his wife Priscilla were in Rome, but they went to, to Corinth, and then to Ephesus, back to Rome, and back to Ephesus again. So we'll read about that now in Acts chapter 18, starting at verse 1. So it says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. So Paul arrived in Corinth, and there he met this couple, Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, They were tent makers, and that was also his trade. And so they took him into into their home. He stayed with them and worked along with them. Then we'll go on a little bit later in, in this chapter, Acts 18, verse 18. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Cancrea because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. So we see that Paul brought Aquila and Priscilla to Ephesus, but then he left them there. So they continued uh, providing some leadership there in Ephesus while he was gone for some time. And then going on, uh, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, which, by the way, that's where Corinth was in Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. So this is really interesting. We see that this, this uh, man, Apollos, came to Ephesus, where Priscilla and Aquila were working with the church, and uh, he was very gifted and, and very knowledgeable, a, a very great speaker, um, But there was something not quite right about his theology, and so Aquila and Priscilla invited him to their home and kind of gave him some theology lessons, I guess. We don't know exactly what the problem was. And then they endorsed him to go back to Ephesus, where they had come from, and he was used by the Lord to make a great impact there in Corinth. So we see how Priscilla and Aquila were used uh, with Apollos. Uh, So... Uh, We'll go on to a a couple of passages in Paul's letters where Aquila and Priscilla are mentioned again. The first is uh, at the end of the first letter to the Corinthians. Now, uh, Paul actually wrote the letters to the church in Corinth before he wrote to to the church in Rome, even though Romans appears first in our Bibles. Uh, And so this is at the end of Corinthians when he is uh, giving some greetings to the church. So Paul was in Ephesus at this time. He had returned to Ephesus, and he says, the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. And so Priscilla and Aquila are still in Ephesus, and notice that a church, a group of believers, is meeting in their home. And then we'll go on to uh, Romans, and at the end of Rome, uh, Romans, uh, Paul is now in Corinth, and he's writing to the church uh, in, in Rome. And he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Uh, now where are they? Now they're back in Rome as Paul is greeting them uh, in his letter to the Romans. And notice it says that they risked their lives for me. We don't really know what that's about. We don't have any details on that, but they were very sacrificial in their relationship with Paul. And again, uh, oh, it also says, all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. We don't know much about that either, but uh, we know that Aquila was a Jew it doesn't say um, about Priscilla, but I, it's likely that she was a Gentile. And maybe as a cross-cultural couple, a Jew and a Gentile, they may have been used of the Lord to kind of overcome that barrier between Jews and Gentiles in places like, uh, like Ephesus and Rome. And so the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. And it could be that they went to even other cities that we don't know about uh, here. Uh, And then one more verse, and that's in uh, Paul, the last letter that we have that Paul wrote, the second letter to Timothy. Timothy was a leader in Ephesus, um, and Paul uh, writes him and says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. So now where are they? They're back in Ephesus again. Uh, So, And obviously still significant in the church there. So kind of looking over this, Uh, Geographically, once again, we see that uh, they were in Rome. They met Paul in Corinth. Uh, Paul brought them to Ephesus. They were there for some time. Uh, They went back to Rome, and then they were back in Ephesus again. So what do we learn about Priscilla and Aquila? Well, for one thing, they were tent makers, and you know we don't really know a lot of details about this. What kind of material did they work with? What were these tents used for? There are different ideas about that. Uh, But they they had their own work and supported themselves in this way. And then we we see that they moved around quite a bit. It seems like they were probably not only making tents, but selling them probably, and maybe had outlets in several cities, so they're kind of like uh, international networkers involved in business. They practiced hospitality, invited people like Paul and Apollos into their home. Uh, they were obviously mature leaders in the church and able to mentor others like, like Apollos. Um, they hosted churches meeting in their homes. Uh, they were lay people, uh, but they were very active and, and very significant, very strategic, um, strategically involved in the churches and in the mission of the church. And that brings us to our our third major point today, and to ask, you know, what about the Holy Spirit today working through people like Priscilla and Aquila? First of all, for reaching unreached people groups, and then also thinking about reaching people right around us. Now, this is a bit of review from the last time I was here. I talked quite a bit about unreached people groups. So just a bit of review, we see this graph, and over a quarter of the world's population are people living in what we call unreached people groups. These are groups of people that really don't have access to the gospel. There aren't Christians and churches around them to bring the gospel to them. So they don't even have a way of hearing the gospel. Uh, Where are they? Uh, We can see that they're all over the world but concentrated in certain areas. Just one example of an unreached people group, this is the, the Uyghur people in Kazakhstan. Most of the Uyghur people live in Xinjiang, the province of Xinjiang in China. You may have heard about them in the news. There's been persecution of them there. But a number of them live in Kazakhstan. We have a little bit of data on the next page about them. Uh, they are, how many people? Over 300,000. How many Christians? It says 0.01% Christian. There may be a few Christians among them, but that's not enough to really bring the gospel to that people group Uh, so just that example now we obviously would want to ask why have these groups not been reached i talked uh, about that last time so i'll not dwell on that but just this piece of data is very significant 81 percent of muslims hindus and buddhists in our world today do not personally know a follower of jesus so you know how can they hear about the lord they don't even know a christian Uh, that makes us a little more aware of the of the great challenge Uh, there are all kinds of barriers and you know the barriers are not only out there among the people that haven't been reached but also there are barriers in us you know what keeps us from going what keeps god's people from reaching out to those that have not heard the gospel those barriers are right in us as well Uh, but i want to think about today uh, you know tent making types of people like aquila and priscilla can be very strategic in reaching these unreached people groups. Now, we use that, that term tent maker that's been kind of adopted from this story about Paul and Priscilla and Aquila. Today, when we have uh, leaders, church leaders, pastors, church planters, and so on, that support themselves through their own labor uh, rather than so much depending on, on donations from, from the people, we call them tent makers and God is really using people. Another term we we use is bivocational workers, and and they are really being used by God today. And uh, these people can often have a normal role in society. They have opportunities to network and interact with people, and and so there are some real advantages in this kind of strategy. Now, you may ask, well, what about you? Have you served as tent-making missionaries? Well, you probably know the answer because you've been supporting us all these years uh no we have not but there was a time when we thought we would be we're kind of like wannabe tent making missionaries we were in china and we uh, had a a thriving ministry a small group ministry there but the challenge was how do you keep a a visa to be able to keep going back to china it was really quite a challenge well someone told us go to this this uh, university beijing normal university and uh, talk to this head of the English department, and maybe you can be English teachers there. And so we went there and talked to the guy. He interviewed us, and he said, yeah, you can, you can, you're qualified. You can teach English in our university. And so we made plans for that. Uh, we were at the end of our, our term, and so we went back to the US, but we were planning to go back and, and actually be employed as English teachers. So we'd be kind of like tent makers there. Uh, now, that didn't work out because uh, the mission, when we got back to our headquarters, said, well, we want you to go back to the Philippines. And so we went back to the Philippines, and that plan didn't work out. But we did know a lot of uh, tent-making workers, missionaries, uh, you might call them. We, didn't, we weren't allowed to use that word missionary in, in China. But there were people that had different kinds of jobs and uh, working among the people and also serving the Lord and reaching out, evangelizing, and, and that, uh, we really saw that happening, and we praise God for that. And then when we did go back to the Philippines, I was teaching missions there, and we encouraged our students to think about that tent-making kind of approach, how they could uh, possibly go out and reach an unreached people group. They could perhaps have a business or some other kinds of employment that, where they could be also serving the Lord and reaching out to people. Uh, one of the graduates of Asian Theological Seminary is uh, now working in K- in Kyrgyzstan, uh, and she works as an English teacher, a Filipina, and um, she's had a lot of challenges with keeping up her visa, but recently, she was employed full-time by a university there, and uh, that helped solve her problems. So now she has a visa, and that also provides some financial support. So that's just an example of how this is actually happening. And so today, uh, you know, I think about younger people, and I'm glad to see younger people, I think especially those who are junior high, high school, uh, college age. When I I started thinking about missions, I was just 10 years old. Um, So when I advise young people today how to prepare for missions, Uh, I don't right away say, well, go to uh, a missionary training school or go to Bible college or seminary. Instead, I say, well, develop a career, develop a profession uh, in an area that you're interested in, become qualified, become skillful, develop your skills and become an excellent worker. And that may provide you opportunities for going even to another part of the world, even to an unreached people group and be used of God uh, in that way, you know, there are workers needed in all kinds of areas. One area we call business as mission. And, um, you know, when you think about it business people, entrepreneurs, are always networking, they're interacting, they're buying, they're selling, they're employing people. So they have lots of interaction with different people. And they could be very effective as God's servants, as evangelists, reaching out to people. And so sometimes you can take your business and bring it to another country and and do it there or start a new business. Uh, And and God is working uh, through people like that in amazing ways. And there are all kinds of professionals that are needed in other parts of the world, including often among these unreached people groups. Obviously medical people, uh, dental and medical, uh, English teachers, teachers of all kinds of subjects, engineers, technical people, Uh, all kinds are needed and so especially you younger people I want to encourage you to think about yeah developing a career like that along the way you need to get some mission training too but uh, consider that and I want to encourage you to really think about that there's nothing more exciting than to be used of of the Lord especially in reaching out to those that haven't heard the gospel and so remember, once again, 81% of uh, Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists haven't, don't even know a Christian. We can become the Christian that they know, the follower of Jesus, and they can hear the good news from, from us. And so it's, it's not only about reaching people on, on the other side of the world, but also people around us. What, we have a term called uh, diaspora missions. You know, Diaspora means spreading around, scattering, And obviously that is happening as as people are migrating and moving all over the world. And uh, there are refugees coming into uh, North America. I don't know who is coming into uh, West Chicago area, but I'm confident that there are unreached people that are coming around you here in this part uh, of, of the Chicago area. And think about that. How can we reach out to them? Sometimes we may feel threatened by them and and think, well, do we want these people moving in? Uh, But instead of looking at it that way, let's see it as God's opportunity for us to reach out to them with the good news. And once they receive the good news, they can even bring it back to the unreached people where they came from in in their own countries. Uh, And so, yes, let's really consider uh, all the opportunities that God uh, gives us. Let's go on to the the next slide and uh, we remember that, yeah, there are unsaved people all around us Uh, and just remember once again, there is salvation in no one else. Jesus made it very clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said. No one comes to the Father but by me. These people need the Lord. There's not another way of salvation and we can be used by God to reach out to them. Uh, Let's go to the next slide. And uh, we are reminded of of what are the things, what are the qualities that made uh, Aquila and Priscilla especially useful to God in his mission. One thing is that they had practical, marketable skills, ways that they could serve people in ordinary life that gave them interaction with people. Uh, They were hospitable, opening up their, their heart and opening up their home to people. Uh, They were willing to serve, even though they were not clergy or full-time church workers. They didn't say, Paul, you do all the work. Uh, No, they were willing to to serve as well, and even willing to serve in the background. Think about Apollos. Apollos really up front, a speaker, dynamic guy. Uh, We don't read about Priscilla and Aquila teaching and preaching, but they were more behind the scenes, and they were willing to serve in that way, and they really made a difference uh, even mentoring people like him. And they are willing to relocate. They are willing to move from one place to another. <clears throat> now, God doesn't call everyone to, to move, but that is uh, sometimes is, is needed, and God calls some to move, to relocate, and uh, we've, we've had to do that a lot, <laughs> and uh, it's okay. So uh, don't worry about that if that's a concern to you. But God will speak to you and clarify if that's what he wants you to do Uh, we always need to start with prayer we have a, a phrase prayer does the heavy lifting now what i've said today may sound even burdensome there's 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 so much to do there's so many people that need to be reached the challenges are so great but we need to just start with prayer and god will lead us on from there start with praying with people right around us and ask god also how we can be praying for unreached people groups and uh, if you'll take some time with us we can we, after the service we can share some ways to do that in very meaningful ways i want to close with uh, revelation seven verses nine to ten and uh... this is where paul received this great vision from the lord about what would be happening in, in the future, and so he puts it this way. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, from standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What a great vision, and we have this to look forward to when Christ comes again. But you know, brothers and sisters, uh, that multitude is not complete. There are still not only missing individuals, but whole people groups missing from that multitude. There are not people from every nation, tribe, people, and language uh, among God's people today. They still need to be reached out to, and God calls us to be part of his mission to reach out to these people with the good news. In a few minutes, we'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper, but think about those who are missing at this table, at the table of the Lord, especially these people that have never even had an opportunity to hear the good news. They deserve our priority. God wants to use all of us, and so let's each discern, how does God want to use me uh, for this mission in his world today? Let's pray. Lord God, we are amazed that you would uh, choose us to be your mission agents in this world. We feel so inadequate. Um, There's so much that seems to hinder us, Lord, But I pray that you will give each one of us the discernment to know how you want to use us. Lord, we think about those unreached people groups that mostly are far from us, and uh, we pray that you will overcome the barriers and that you will provide the bridges to reach them. And uh, we pray that you'll use us as you please. We also pray for those right around us that haven't heard the good news and uh, pray that you'll equip us to reach out to our neighbors with this great news and uh, empower us by your Spirit, O Lord. We pray your blessing upon Faith CRC. We thank you for its ministry here in the Elmhurst area. Pray your ongoing blessing on their local ministry and on their involvement. in in global missions, O Lord God. Bless them in this, and uh, may they uh, be mightily used of you, O Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.